This is the Dave Logan Podcast. And welcome back to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dave Logan and Julie Brownman, I believe. And we do this... <laughs> We do this every single time, every time we do a podcast. I think this is podcast number 31. I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. How you doing? Doing good. Yeah. Good to see you in somewhat of a different sort of way. We are FaceTiming, obviously, as you know, uh, during this pandemic, we are practicing good social distancing. Mm -hmm. So normally when we first started, we'd be in a studio doing this together, but since that's not good to do anymore we're we're facetiming are you although getting out and about to places that you could like i just went yeah. to yeah lowe's this weekend i am um i mean you, you know you're, you're not going you're not going into a restaurant you're picking up food at curbside and taking it home and mm -hmm. but uh i mean trying to get out of the house and do do a few things but it it is i mean obviously here in denver it uh it's been on uh, pretty much of a lockdown, so you you have to adjust. I will tell you this: I just did a Zoom happy hour this weekend with uh, somebody in California and somebody in Oregon, and they're still on lockdown. So as as maybe people are getting antsy, at least we can get out to a few places. There are still places. How is that getting out to a place? A Zoom, a Zoom happy hour means you're basically, I'm guessing, uh -huh. sitting in your home yeah. on Zoom so you could see your friends, and you're sitting there drinking. Yeah. By yourself. How how is that getting is out? Is that interactive? Dave, you're like the only person that's not doing a Zoom happy hour. That's what the rest well, listen, of Well, listen, I doing. mean, hey, far be it for me to act like I know everything. I I'm, I'm happy if if it's a good deal and it were less uh, relieve stress, I'm in. Well, you've done Zoom meetings like the Yeah, past but business but meetings, right? Think about having a drink in your hand and actually wanting to talk to those people. How do you know I don't have a drink in my hand when I do my <laughs> Zoom business meeting? I don't. I don't. Yeah. But think about like your buddies like in Cleveland. Some of the... Sure. Do a... And just talk about what's going on. Chop it up. Well, I mean, to me, I, I guess it would... Yeah, I guess. Maybe I'll try that this week. Maybe I will. It's, it's something to do. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit of, I'm not a ton of news out of the NFL. Um, and also Broncos, some NFL teams can go back to the facility. Denver's one of them. Denver's one of them, but it's not coaches and players. It's basically like. Uh, it's guys that are rehabbing. Right. With a previous injury. Right. And I think some of the uh, um, necessary personnel, mm -hmm. but they haven't, uh, they haven't started to, I think, talk about taking back. Uh, anybody else? It's going to, I mean, listen, I think it's going to be a while. We're seeing, we're seeing the NBA start to reopen very slowly. Guys coming in for individual workouts to their respective facilities. It was interesting over the weekend. I saw a couple of comments from George Carl, the former Nuggets coach. Down, right? He basically said, and, and George, and you know George probably better than I do. We both interviewed him uh, on a regular basis. I really like George, and I think one of the things I like about him, he's always been candid and not afraid to, to speak his mind. But he basically said, hey, I love basketball as much as anybody in the world. I'm paraphrasing. But I think we just should shut it down and resume next year. George is really into the integrity of the game. Very much so. Very much so. That's kind of how he lives. And so I think he thinks that coming back – and going straight to the playoffs or coming back in December or that's does is not good for the integrity of the sport that he loves so much. Well, they can't come back in December and finish this year. I mean, I think they have to decide, honestly, mm -hmm. within the next couple of weeks whether or not they're going to try to squeeze in. They've got, 
Um, some teams have 18 games. Some teams have 19 games left. But you got to make a decision with it, to me with, by June. Hey, are we going to come back at all? And if we come back, are we trying to get in those 18 or 19 regular season games? Or do we just take the standings as they were when the pandemic hit and we shut everything down and go into the playoffs at that point? And if so, what does that look like? So I, I think – I mean, the NFL can afford to sit back and sort of just evaluate things and come up with three or four plans and then three or four contingency plans. But the NBA, not so much. Major League Baseball, not so much. And, and the NHL, the same for them. So I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but now it's kind of a perfect time talking about the proposal that between that they're working on between the Players Union and Major League Baseball, the owners, it's... I don't know, crazy, it's extensive, it's, they're talking about some of the things by coming back for spring training late June, start early July, things like everybody's wearing masks except for when you're out on the field, no exchanges of lineup cards, new baseballs, anytime there's multiple players that are touching the the baseballs, Um, no spitting. No, I mean, they were getting rid of tobacco before, but like the sunflower seeds, which doesn't sound like a big deal to some people, but yeah. that's a big deal to baseball players. Um, you know, social, dis- six feet away when you're playing the national anthem. It's just these, it's 67 pages of these protocols that we've never seen. Is it too much? Well, listen, I mean, it, it boils down to whether or not you want to be able to play games. There's nothing that you just said that players couldn't adapt to there's nothing out there you got to wear a mask when you're in the dugout uh no not, showering they don't want you to shower okay after well you know what that's what listen that's what high school and some college teams have been doing forever you uh-huh. come from the hotel or for from wherever you're sequestered or in this case if it's a home game uh from your home dressed and ready to go and then you get back in your car the interesting thing for me will be on the road um, they're not going to let players take an Uber from the park back to their hotel. You're not going to be able to leave with anybody. So, in other words, you're all going to have to ride one or two vehicles, presumably a bus, to take you back to the hotel. You then, you can't have dinner at any other restaurants in the city. You have to eat at one, again, presumably, that will be in the team hotel. That, that, that to me, is going to be more of a change for the players than not being able to spit uh, or seeds or what have you. You can't shake hands. Okay. Third base, first base coach can't really approach the base runner. Okay. That's not hard to do. All of this, it's going to boil down to how badly do the owners and the players want to have, let's say, an 80-game season. For Major League Baseball, here's the critical thing. If, if they play the 80 games or 81 games, half the season, and if the players and the owners, and I think they're close, maybe they've even done it, agree upon the 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. Without fans in the stands, the owners will lose, and I saw this this weekend, $640,000 per game. $640,000. $640,000 of revenue per game. So if you add that up for 80 or 81 games, that's almost $50 million. The, what what the owners have to hope happens is that they can get to postseason. And that's where the owners from the national TV contract will make their money. That's where they're going to, I think, have enough infusion of, 
of cash from the TV networks to withstand, you know, won't be making a lot of money, probably losing money, but they won't lose everything. If Here's the worst case scenario for Major League Baseball. They come back, they put all these rules in, 81 games, they get to 70 games, and for whatever reason, we have another outbreak, and everything gets closed down, and the postseason gets canceled. If, if those things happen, you're going to see – I think more than just a handful of owners that from a financial standpoint will be in dire straits. Do you really think that they're going to just work that out this week, this 50-50 split? Because I feel like the players are really dug in on – because they they had agreed to a prorated um, seller structure in March. Then all this happens and we find out that there can be no fans in the stands. So basically the owners are saying, the only way we're going to make money, we can't – we lost 40% from the gate – well, then you've got guys like Blake Snell coming out and saying, "Did you hear what he said?" He said, "Oh, like we a talked about this." Idiot. He's he's that that is you talk about being tone deaf mm-hmm. to what's going on in the country, and really, I think casting Major League Baseball because even though you represent only your opinion, when you are interviewed or when you make those comments on social media, uh, and they're that inflammatory. Given the circumstances, you basically, for a lot of people out here, you represent all of Major League Baseball. You sound like a tone-deaf idiot. And I would be, even though there were some players that came to his aid. I mean, uh, Bryce Harper in Washington pretty much agreed with him. Nolan Arenado here in Denver uh, stopped a little bit short of completely agreeing, but said he, he understands the sentiment. Listen, nobody wants to lose money. But the reality of it is, in this country right now, you've got over 30 million people that are unemployed. You've got people that have lost their jobs. You've got people that have lost their businesses, their livelihood, and then will lose their homes. I mean, we are really stuck in an economic swamp. And then you've got a guy like Blake Snell who worries about getting mine. Here's, he's making $7 million this year, and I guess he can't get by in $3.5 million. That That's almost too stupid a comment even to have a rebuttal for it's one of those where you just shake your head and say dude you are so clueless on how things are i I can't even talk to you right now so i what i found infuriating is that all of that and then he said well i'm risking my life out there for this well guess what buddy and this is the The rest of us are too yeah but this is the same guy who on his social media post back in march was downplaying the significance of COVID 19 talked about that he didn't think it was going to be that big a deal, talked about going out and playing, talked about he's going to live his life. Now, now why the change? Well, obviously the change is because it impacted you financially. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a selfish attitude. And again, to be clear about this, nobody likes to lose money, but everybody, you know, I mean, to, to varying degrees has had that happen. I mean, how many people out there listening to the podcast have had their employer come to them and say, hey, I know you got a contract, but we, we need, you know, we need some relief mm-hmm. here. And you know what? You make the decision, you either say no and then take your chances. And I think your chances are not very good. Or you say yes and you do the best you can, but you stay in the game. This, I mean, this guy, again, and my hope is that he doesn't represent what all baseball players think, because honestly, I love baseball. But I would just refuse to watch him just because he's an idiot. If I thought that he represented 
the majority of Major League Baseball players and how they feel about this pandemic and their financial situations. The cool thing is, is that baseball could come back, be the first sport back, really, and... It's well, America's- UFC is the first sport back, Julie. Do you not watch? Did you not watch any of the UFC matches I did, over but the weekend? You know weekend? what I did? I watched at least I watched NASCAR highlights. This you didn't watch the NASCAR event live? Did you? And tell the truth. Look, yes. Look in the screen. I didn't watch it all, but I watched some of it. Let me just tell you this, okay? Right. NASCAR last year, and yep. I'm not a huge NASCAR guy, but this will tell you kind of where people are today. NASCAR in 2019 averaged per race. Uh-huh. million viewers. 2.8. Okay. Sunday, the Darlington 400. Right. Won by Kevin Harvick. Nice job. The viewership, 5.7, almost 5.8 million people. You think people are starved for sports? Starved. I would say that Roger Goodell... And all 32 owners in the NFL, when those numbers were made available to them, and you think they need any incentive that the NFL, and I've said all along, the NFL is going to play no matter what, might not be any fans, might not be any broadcasters, but they're going to play because of the TV package. When they see those numbers, they are salivating to come up with a way that they absolutely play games. I can't wait. I mean, I can't wait. Well, see, wait. that's what I mean. And and that comment I, right there, I think, is typical mm-hmm. of how people in this country think right now. We're we're tired of being locked in with nothing to watch. <laughs> and so the, the prospects of watching anything, any live sporting event right now, mm-hmm. Did pretty you watch enticing. The golf? And it said in big letters on the screen, it said live so that you yeah. knew that you were not watching. I watched watching. some of it, yeah. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. You got guys out there wearing shorts. They're carrying their own bags. Aw, no, it's, it's fine with me. Yeah. It was a little different from them. Yeah. All right. You're so. not you're not a golf fan. Have you ever have you ever had a golf club in your hand? Yes, I I When's the last time you played a round of golf? Seriously. Okay, let me tell you. I wanted to learn how to play. I bought clubs. I wanted I, to be 6'10 in the NBA. <laughs> I wanted to be a supermodel and I took lessons and everything went right. Every time I took a lesson. And sometimes Dave, when you get older, you need to realize what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. So and you gave up, basically. So I gave up. You should have watched The Last Dance. You familiar with that with Michael I, Jordan? Yeah, yes, the, yes. The determination and how driven he was to right. excel. You might want to take a few tips I excel at other Jordan. things in life besides, that is the thing about getting older, is you go, I am not good at this. Why do I want to get so mad and so How about frustrated? you just get better? How about you work at it until you get better? <clears throat> Why how about don't that? I feel good about myself? Well, we well you should feel good about yourself. Yeah. You know. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit more before we take a break. We have a Dear Dave segment. Just up, quit on way. things. Yeah. Do you golf? Yes, not very well. What's one thing you're... My, okay. my, my thing is a, is a time thing. It's not that all my shots go right. Because hell, as many of my shots go left. So you continue to do things you suck at and you just are going to do it and do oh, it and I, do it. I didn't do say it. I sucked. I'm not as good a golfer as I would like to be. Okay. What do you feel? How do you feel about mountain biking? I feel like you and I should go mountain biking sometime together. Yeah, that's listen. I played a long time in the NFL. Uh-huh. Never had shoulder surgery, right? Never had neck surgery or back surgery. Uh-huh. I'll ride a bike as long as the surface is flat. I don't care. <laughs> you want to ride for this? Let's go uphill or downhill. Is the surface flat? Okay, I'm in. 
But the prospects of like coming down a mountain that has rocks on it where you can fly, literally fly my ass over the handbars and land. I, do you know how, what's, what's, what's above the category of disappointed? <laughs> I don't know. If, if I flew over the handbars and let's just say broke my clavicle yeah. or tore a shoulder up and I had to, I had to have surgery on it, I'd be mm-hmm. like, you're the dumbest ass. Seriously, I would be so mad at myself. Yeah. So you enjoy mountain biking and let <laughs> me know how me. it is. I'll go to the golf course and shank a few drives. Okay. Think of me when you do it. We're going to take a break. When we come back, the NFL is thinking about doing something that's not really getting that great of feedback and the infamous Dear Dave segment. Love it. The Dave Logan Podcast can be found at iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Remember to download, and if you like what you hear, share with your friends and subscribe. Remember, you can log on to our website, thedaveloganpodcast.com. Go to the contact tab to ask us questions. We'll read them on the podcast. Most every question is fair game. Just keep it classy. It's thedaveloganpodcast.com, or you can send your question directly to us on Twitter, at DaveLoganPod or at JulieBrowman1. Welcome back to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dave Logan and Julie Brownman with you. And thanks a lot for downloading this podcast and uh, continuing to listen. Julie was making reference to a story over the weekend uh, with regards to the NFL about the package that Roger Goodell has floated out with respect to hiring more minority front office candidates and minority coaching candidates. And in fact, uh, the NFL put out the incentive to hire minority candidates. There would be draft choices involved in in terms of increasing your draft position. Um, And on face value, and I, I I talked about this a little bit on the air, you know, I understand the league's concern. I really do. Because when you stop and think about it, you have 32 teams. You have two African-American GMs, so two out of 32. Mm-hmm. And you have five head coaches that are minorities. So, and you look at the Rooney Rule, which was established years ago. I think teams have found ways to sort of circumvent that. Uh, you know, it's one thing to invite somebody in to interview for a position. But if you really already made up your mind as to what you're going to do, that doesn't really serve the original purpose. But I would say this. I think it's impossible to legislate um, you know, hiring minority candidates. I think the league has to continue to do a better job of getting minority coaches um, the opportunity to coach positions that we see the league promoting much more so than other positions. I mean, what's the hot position right now? I mean, it's a coordinator spot, but if you took one position from the position coaches on the offensive side of the ball and said, who's most likely to be the next coordinator, be the quarterback coach. You don't see a lot of, you don't see a lot of minority quarterback coaches. To me, the league would be better served instead of uh, the push coaching-wise. I would try to get behind a push to include minority candidates with respect to running teams, to becoming GMs. Because GMs ultimately get to decide as to who their coach is. Mm-hmm. And that decision is very important because you might miss once, but if you miss twice, you're probably going to be out of work. So that's incentive enough. 
But the bottom line is this. I think the 32 owners have to have the ability, whether we agree with this or not, I think this happens. They get to choose as to who they want to run their team. How The, the question is, how do we get more uh, minority candidates to have a legitimate opportunity to interview and with whom do they interview, right? Owners are always going to pick the person they feel most comfortable with. They just are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're billionaires and they get to they get to make that choice. And I think they should have the right to make that choice uh, too. But the league, the league has to continue uh, to do a better job. And I'll say this too. It's one thing to sort of knock this proposal. I know I did on the air. I know several other, uh, even African-American uh, analysts have knocked the proposal. But I always make fun of people that, you know, dismiss proposals and then don't come up with anything in terms of what they might do differently. Mm-hmm. And now I fall into that category. Because we had, we had a call today that wanted to know, hey, what would you do? And I don't know. I, I would look at the GM spots first because those are the guys ultimately that run the football side of the operation. This just felt like, and I, I heard you say that on your show, this just felt like bribery. Like, you know, you can, if you do this, we'll give you this, which didn't seem genuine to me. Like, And, the, and I think somebody on your show, it might have been you that said, they don't, these owners don't, they want to work with somebody that they're comfortable with. They don't really care that much about a third round pick, right? Like that, it's not like you're, okay, you're going to move up 16 spots in the first round. Well, that's something. Third round to me. But stop to think about what this means for the candidate themselves. Uh, it feels terrible. I mean, if, you, if you're hired as a minority candidate as a head coach. Yeah. You're going to have people looking at you like, okay, the only reason you really got hired. Right. Is because there's, there's draft choice incentive for us to hire you. It puts that candidate, I think, in a really bad light with his peers, other coaches in the league. I also saw one one point that the NFL is a good old boys network. I think there's validity to that in terms of, you know, head coaches want to have assistant coaches that they can trust, that they have worked with before, right? right? That they know exactly what they're getting. They know their work habits. They know how they interact with players. They know their football acumen. But trust is ultimately uh, one of the top four or five I think things with respect to, Hey, am I going to hire you or not? And if you haven't had uh, a minority candidate get enough exposure in the league to where he's had a chance to work with some of these uh, head coaches and some of the front office people that he can establish that sort of trust. Well, then it's going to be very, it's going to be difficult to hire. It's, it's, it's a, it's an ongoing issue and it's one that does not have a really simple, um, response to is there's just not a simple answer to this and they need to be qualified too right like well, sure. just because but there's plenty there's plenty of white coaches that we've seen hired recently mm-hmm. that you could you could make a case really haven't been qualified listen i mean cliff kingsbury did a nice job in his first year with the cardinals but if if i'm an african-american or a latino or one of hispanic heritage and i see cliff kingsbury who had been at texas tech and just based on strictly one loss record, had not been all that successful, and in fact was fired. He's never been in the NFL. He goes to USC. He's going to become the new offensive coordinator. He hasn't even been on the job there yet, and now he's hired as a head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I, I, hey, how could you not look at that and say, okay, what sort of process is this? Now, the owner has every right, the Bidwell family, has every right, and Steve Kime, the GM of the Cardinals, to hire 
whomever they want to. And they had just picked Kyler Murray with the first pick in the draft the preceding year. And they wanted somebody that had that sort of mindset offensively. Right. So you could make the case from their vantage point as to why he was hired. But you you hired a guy to coach, to be the head coach in the NFL without a single snap of NFL experience and one, you could make the case, was fired because he didn't win enough at Texas Tech. I don't know. Should have gone to law school. It's a good case. Well, I mean, it's... It's just it's just being honest about it. The optics of that, I mean, if you're an African American, mm-hmm. a coach who's been in the league for a while, I mean, don't you step back and say, "It doesn't make any okay, sense." Okay, really? What I mean, what, what's this? Do you want to do a little, dear Dave? Sure. <laughs> this is you know you love the dear you skills. love the dear Dave thing. No, that's part of doing a good podcast, right? You get the you get the honest and sincere that's reaction. True. That's true. Okay. So not really. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna do yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's time for Dear Dave. Do you have questions about the Broncos or your favorite sports team? Or is it dating and relationship advice that you need? Ask Dave. He has the answers. Dear Dave, we kind of talked about this. Dear Dave, this is from Jill in Seattle. Dear Dave, if you were Adam Silver, could make the decision when to return to basketball, would you go right to the playoffs or would you finish the regular season? Tough question. I'm not even sure right now. Um, I'd have to see the plan in terms of what we're proposing. You have 18 or 19 games left in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, realistically, I don't have it in front of me. I'd look to see, okay, how many, how many, you know, leaders, divisional leaders, uh, is that lead in question? In some cases, I mean, the Lakers are are the best team, probably the best team in basketball. I I would. In, in the best case scenario, I'd play the 18 or 19 regular season games. I'd give them a two to three week period to sort of get back in shape. And then I'd use the 18 or 19 regular season games to play them into shape and then hopefully have, um, you know, a complete and total postseason worth of action. But that's in the best case scenario. Okay, this comes from Christy in Lakewood. Dear Dave, what were your impressions of Phyllis George, who just passed away at 70? Do you consider her a pioneer for female sports guests? Yeah, really, li- really, really liked her. Got a chance to meet her. She worked for CBS, mm-hmm. and playing in the AFC, we didn't often have CBS folks uh, carry our games. But I did get a chance to meet her, uh, gosh, I mean, back in the, whatever, late 70s maybe, early 80s. Really nice person, very um, energetic Great personality, made you feel at home when she was trying to interview you. And I think if you look back on what Phyllis George did, I mean, she took a lot of grief. I think she she worked in the industry at a time that um, it just wasn't done, right? She was, and she's yeah, wor- she's yeah. working with Brent Musburger and uh, Irv Cross and uh, Jimmy the Greek, and it was I mean well known fact that Jimmy the Greek made it very very difficult on her. Mm-hmm. Um, but to her credit. She hung in there, and I think now is, I mean, what she did in the industry is looked upon completely differently, and it was, it was interesting to see so many tributes paid to her by some of today's female sportscasters on a national level by them saying, hey, we thank you for sort of being the trailblazer because I don't think anybody did what she did on a national level before her. She, and yeah, she took some grief. It's hard to be the first one. You know, and she was that on a national level. She was Miss America, right? Yeah, and barely had any broadcast experience, but hung 
She hung tough. I'm sure yeah. there were some, some difficult times. She had a really good interview with Joe Namath that I remember watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Namath, whether by design or just uh, uh, accident, wound up telling her a couple of things in that interview where you were like, whoa, I've hmm. never heard him say this. And I'm trying to think exactly what they were, and I can't remember. But I remember watching that interview saying, man, that, that's, that's pretty good. She got some pretty good information from a guy at that time mm-hmm. that was, he might not have been king of the world then, but, but he was a big-time star in the NFL. Interesting. Okay, this is the last one. Dear Dave, I also saw this, by the way. Uh, this is Dave in, from Dave in Denver. Imagine that. I saw an article about a place in Cheyenne called The Den. It's a strip club. They threw a masks on clothes off party. Hmm. Would you go to that? Apparently, there's a lot of san- hand sanitizer everywhere. They made that in the story. Mask on, clothes, clothes off. off. Let's just visualize would I, that. Would for I one go second. to it as a participant? Listen, dude. No, you're here, not taking your clothes here, here's off. Here's the thing. What? It's a strip club. Masks on, clothes the strippers off. Strippers were masks. Oh, on. oh, the patrons didn't have to. I'm thinking nobody wants to see me naked. There's not a person. You know what? I mean, God love my mother. She's old enough now that even she would be like, okay, put those back on. I, I'm just saying. So the strippers. I, I'm really not. I, I've never been able to sort of figure out the strip club phenomena. Okay. I, I'm just telling you. The last time, and okay. I wouldn't say this on a podcast if it wasn't true, because somebody okay. would say. Oh, I saw you. Mm-hmm. The last time I was in a strip club, Joe Williams, who I used to do radio with, yes, uh, who has since retired, his son, Bert, was celebrating his 21st birthday. Uh-huh. And we went to... How long ago was this? Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. We went to the Diamond. Okay. The it, was in, it was in the afternoon. Uh-huh. And he was celebrating his 21st. And Bert, Joe's son, is now, I believe, he's right at 50. <laughs> so I just never listen I don't have any problem with them if you want to go that's go I mean just knock yourself out but I just never quite understood sort of the dynamic in the strip club I mean you know they're there the dancers are there but you know what cuz nothing happening <laughs> so you it's like you're gonna walk out of there about $300 lighter and then you're driving home thinking what the hell did I just do? <laughs> so yeah, I just it just wasn't. So I probably would pass. Okay. But uh, you know what? An entrepreneurial effort. A hundred congratulations, congratulations to them. Very good. Yep. Um, will I see you next week? Well, we're going to do this. Yeah. Well, sure. Okay. I'm in. All right. See you next week. Au revoir. <laughs>